Hey, good morning. We are so glad that you're here today to worship with us by way of internet. And uh, welcome back. And uh, thank you, Tom, for the amazing set of worship. And uh, I hope that you were blessed by the worship this morning. And uh, some of you just might be your very, very first time with us watching. Thank you for joining us. And my name is Pastor Scott, and I'm the pastor of Lake Point Church. And we are located uh, north of Detroit in Shelby Township, Michigan. And uh, so thank you for being here. And I would love to connect with you. Um, there is a way to connect. And uh, we have a connection card. We'd love to connect with you, get to know you a little bit better. And thank you for watching us. Uh, you can type the word connect. And you can text that word connect to 586 800 586-800-0432. And just type the word connect and we'll send you a link where you can connect with us and, and let us know about your presence with us by way of video. Also, um, you can type the word you know, for regular attenders. If you've been here before with us and are regular members and attenders and you like to give, uh, you can type the word LP give to that same number and uh, we'd like to connect with you uh, in a way that, that you can help in the way of generosity. In fact, this past week, um, we were able to bless a, a floor at, at Beaumont Hospital in Royal Oak, um, all the nurses and doctors with a meal. And we're doing that again this week. And it's because of your generosity, we're able to be a blessing to those that are um, in need and to those that are doing ministry and, and do outreach all through our city and all around the world. We're not, we're not holding back in the way that we do outreach during this time. And so because you give, and so if you'd like to give, just type the word help you give, no space uh, to that number. And, and then one more thing before we get, jump into this message series, the new message series we're going to start. Uh, we have a way you can get handout notes, and you just type the word handout to that same number, and uh, you get a link, and you get our handout notes. And, um, and so I'd love for you to follow along with us. And uh, as we start a brand new series today called Stuck. Stuck. And for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about stuck, being stuck. And we're going to ask the question, what do you do? What do you do when you don't know what to do? And that's a great question. What do you do? when you don't know what you can do. And uh, so we're going to talk about what we're going to do when we're stuck. What, what happens when you find yourself in a set of circumstances and, and there's no way to change it? You know, there are problems you know you can solve, but there are some problems you can't solve, and you're stuck. There, there, there are some tensions that you can resolve, but there's some tension you just can't quite figure it out and how to resolve it, and, and you feel stuck. Um, there, maybe many of us were in a point of life, or you, you're walk, walking through a point of life, and you hit a set of circumstances, and, and, and it is what it is. And you don't know what to do. You're kind of stuck in that moment, and, and you're like, what do I do? What do I do in this moment? And there's no way to change that set of circumstances. I think it's safe to say that all of us, I think all of us, we're kind of stuck in the, uh, the season called the pandemic. We're stuck and we're kind of like, okay, what's going to happen next? And what, 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 what are we going to do next? What's going to happen? And uh, we don't know what to do. In fact, we don't know 
um, who to listen to, right? There's so many people, so many talking heads, and I'm like, does anybody, does anybody know what's going to happen next? Does anybody know the end of the road and what, or where, where to go from here? We feel stuck. You know, some of you feel stuck at home. You're like, man, I can't get out. You know, you feel stuck. And, and, and a lot of us, just, we don't know what's happening next. We feel uncertain. Maybe it's a different set of circumstances. Maybe you feel stuck in a, um, maybe you're, you find yourself in a marriage, and it's not a great marriage. And you don't want to get divorced. He doesn't want to get divorced, or she doesn't want to get divorced. But you don't know where to go from here. And you feel stuck. You're like, man, I, I want this marriage to, to work. I want it to go somewhere. And I feel, we feel stuck. We feel stuck. For some of you, financially. You, 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 your financial dreams aren't coming true. Uh, it's not going where you're going, where you thought it was going to go. In fact, you thought maybe a month ago, things were going well. Your financial dreams were happening. Your portfolio was happening. And then all of a sudden, a month ago, the, 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 the market crashed, and, and you feel like you're stuck. You're stuck financially. You're stuck. Maybe some of you lost your job. You're like, I don't even know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen on the other side of this thing. And if you're stuck, stuck. But some of you, it's a health issue. You know, you're not going to die or whatever, but, it, you know, but it's something that you have that it's just chronic pain. It's debilitating. They can treat it, but they can't cure it. And they say, this is your new normal. This is your new reality. And you, you feel like you're stuck, stuck. And for all of us, we come to those places that, we're, that we get stuck in. And that's just, just the way it is. So again, the question that we want to tackle in this series of messages is what do you do when there's nothing you can do? What do you do when there's nothing you can do? Now today, we're going to start looking through the lens of the life of Daniel. Daniel in the Bible, in the Old Testament. And we're going to look how he handled life when he got stuck. And I think we'll learn some lessons here from Daniel on how to live in uncertain times while he was living in captivity in Babylon. Now, before I jump into the life of Daniel, I want to give you, if you're taking notes, I want to give you the theme of the book of Daniel. Here's the theme. There is a God in heaven, and he is in Control, And that's the theme of this book. And I hope that as we deal with this idea of being stuck, that we'll remember that there is a God in heaven, and he is in control. Now, I want to look at the very first chapter of the book of Daniel. And we're going to look at Daniel in the dining room today. Daniel in the dining room. Now, if anybody knows anything about Daniel, many people will tell you that they know the story about Daniel and the lion's den. But I want you to know that there would have never been a Daniel in the lion's den when he was much older had there not been a story of Daniel in the, in the dining room when he was much younger. So important for us to understand that. I want to read about it in Daniel chapter 1. Verse number one, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, 
Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put it in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Aspenas, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. So Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, find these young men without defect, handsome, good-looking guys, guys that have potential. You know, they scored high on their SAT and their ACT. And so I want you to bring these guys in, and, and then I'm going to teach them the way of Babylon. I'm going to teach them our language. I'm going to teach them our, 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 our way of life. I'm going to immerse these guys into our culture. And look at verse 5. And so the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. These guys weren't going to be starving at all. I mean, they were going to be eating the meat that the king ate, the drink, and the wine that the king drank. I mean, these guys were well taken care of. And they were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Verse number six. Among those who were chosen was some from Judah. Here's Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, he gave them the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, he gave the name Shadrach. Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, he gave the name Abednego. But Daniel resolved, I love this verse, and we'll talk about this later, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused all the officials to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, and you know, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head. I would lose my head because of you. And Daniel said to the guard, whom the chief officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, he said, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who ate the royal food. Treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this, tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, Daniel, Meshach, Mishael, and uh, you know, Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? I know those guys better than their Hebrew names. It's kind of weird, right? But they look healthier. 
and they look better nourished than any of the other men who ate the royal food. So the God took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables instead. I bet all the other boys were not very happy with Daniel at this point. I mean, they were eating barbecue from bad bread, barbecue. I mean, they had prime rib, and all of a sudden, that was taken away, and they were given vegetables. And I uh, thank Daniel, but man, this was, this was the way it needed to be. Now, we'll see this. And to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Look at verse 21. And Daniel remained there. He was stuck there. <laughs> That's the word right there. He was stuck there until the first year of King Cyrus. Hold this for just a minute. This, this is a long time. Daniel was probably 17, 18 years old when he went to Babylon. And, and some scholars believe that he died around 100 years old. That means he was stuck in a land of captivity, in a land that was not his, for 80-something years. But God used Daniel's life, even though he was stuck in a different world. And so here's what I want us to do today. I want to look at the life of Daniel. I want us to see the choices and the decision that he had to make. How did he handle the situation where he was stuck in? What did he do when he didn't know what else to do? And I want us to notice three observations from the life of Daniel. And, and here's, what I, here's what I believe. These three observations that we look into Daniel also apply to your life and to my life. And so let's look at the first thought here, the greatest challenge, if you're taking notes. Our greatest challenge, your greatest challenge, is to trust God when your world falls apart. When your world is turned upside down. When, you're, when you feel like you're stuck. Our greatest challenge, my greatest challenge, your greatest challenge, is to trust God to trust him when your world falls apart. And I believe that's the greatest faith challenge that we have. The greatest faith challenge you ever face is to trust God when your world falls apart. In verse 4, we learn that Daniel grew up, you know, he grew up as a good Jewish boy in Israel and in, in, in Jerusalem. He had the word of God. He had the temple of God. He had the worship of God. And all of a sudden, foreign enemy came in, destroyed the city, destroyed the temple. They capture all these young men, all these people. They take them away, and they travel 1,600, 1,700 miles away. That's the distance from Jerusalem to Babylon. And they pull him away, and, and, and they put him in a different environment with different people, with different language, different food. They say that you've got to become this new person, and, 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 and it was all tough. And at this moment, this is where I would be freaking out. I would be like, man, what's going to happen next? What, 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 will I ever go back home? What about my relatives? Will I, are they even alive? And if they're alive, will I ever see them again? Is this my new normal? Am I stuck? And, and Daniel's world fell apart. Fell apart. And the question is, can you trust God 
Can you trust him when your world falls apart, when, it, when everything flips upside down? Can you trust God? I don't know anybody here that's been transported to a different culture lately, but I know that many of us feel like that our world is falling apart. It's falling apart. It seems like everything in your world is crumbling. And the biggest challenge that you face is can you trust God? Can you trust him? And this is the theme. Remember, this is the theme of Daniel, that there is a God in heaven, and he's in control. And even though Daniel was in a totally different culture, a, a different land, even though Daniel was stuck, God was still orchestrating the events and everything in Daniel's life. He's still behind the scene. We may not see him. We may not see God. And sometimes God might seem like he's absent, but he's not. He's here. He may be silent, but he's never absent. And it's easy to trust God when things are going well. I mean, i got to be honest with you. You know, a month ago, four or five weeks ago, I mean, with you know, I didn't, yeah, I depended on God. Yes, I trust God, but things were good. Things were normal. Everything was, was fine. And, and, and there tends to be, there tends to be, even in my life, just, uh, okay, God, I know you're there, but I've got it under control. And then about the last four or five weeks, I think all of us, I pray that we're calling out to him more, that we're learning to trust him more. I know I have. You see, it's easy to trust God when things are going well. It's easy to trust God when the bills are being paid and when you're healthy and everything is going fine. It's a challenge to trust God when our world is flipped upside down. And Daniel trusts God even in his darkest moment. But here's the second observation I want you to notice about Daniel's life. The greatest temptation is to compromise your belief to be like everyone else. Daniel's greatest temptation was to compromise, to compromise what he believed in, to just kind of fall in line with the, what everybody else was doing. And, and, and that could be a challenge. That could be a challenge for us. There's a temptation for all of us to compromise what we believe in, to compromise our convictions, to just go with the flow and to be like everyone else to do things because everybody else is doing it, even though it's not in your beliefs. And this is a temptation. And if we're not careful, we can easily be brainwashed by the sinful culture of this world, the sinful secular world that we're living in. And what's ha what, happened, what happened to Daniel 2,600 years ago as a young man, it's happening today to every child, to every teenager, to every college person, to every adult. We have a godless culture around us, a secular world, and we see it everywhere. We see it in the music that we see or watch or listen to. We see it in the television program that we watch. It's in the, in the books, maybe in the magazines that we read. It's, it's all around us, it's godless Culture is trying to immerse you, it's trying to brainwash us to be more like the world and to be like everybody else in our culture. And, and, and King Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, 
he was pretty clever. He was sneaky, but clever. He knew that if you could take these young men, change their minds, if you could change their heart, then he would have them for the rest of their lives. Because the values and the decisions you make are going to determine the rest of your life. I heard a quote. I want to share it with you. The decisions we make today determine the story we'll tell tomorrow. The bad ones you make are going to haunt you for the rest of your life. The, 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 the good decisions you make, they're going to bless you for the rest of your life. The decisions we make today, it matters because it will determine the story that you'll tell tomorrow and in your future. What kind of story are you going to be able to tell later on? How, how just moment the circumstances of life right now that, that, that we're stuck in? Are we going to just go through the motions? Are we going to absorb the stuff of the world? Or are we going to make great decisions through this moment so that we can, be, so that we can grow and have a story to tell in the future. So powerful. Daniel, Daniel had to make a choice. You see, there's a battle right now. There's a battle for your mind. There's a battle in my mind. The world wants, the world wants to capture it. The evil one wants to try to capture you and brainwash you to be like everybody else. And you have a choice. And, and, and Daniel, he had to make a choice. Am I going to compromise my Jewish belief and just be like everybody else in the culture? Or am I going to take a stand? And of course, we know that Daniel took a stand. He faced some crisis, and Daniel had to decide what he believed in. And, and, the, and the same crises that Daniel faced are the same crises that you and I are going to face. There's three of them right here. He, Daniel faced an authority crisis. He had to face an authority crisis. What is... True. We have to answer that question. What is true? Today in America, true has become relative. True has become relative. This is what America, this is what America's attitude is toward truth. There's no such thing as absolute truth. I mean, we hear this before, maybe you've said it before. You say, hey, you gotta speak your truth. You know, that's our, in our woke, woke society. Hey, you got to speak your truth. And your truth may not be my truth. And that sounds clever. It sounds very empowering. But my friend, if your truth is in conflict with the word of God, then you're not speaking truth. You might be thinking you're speaking your truth, but if it violates or if it's in conflict with God's word, then you're not speaking truth. You're speaking lies. The lies that you believed in, the lies that the devil has tried to get you to believe in. What is truth? You gotta know your truth. And if your truth doesn't line up with the word of God, then you need to change your truth. You need to change your lies to the truth of God's word. And somewhere along the line, you've got to decide: am I going to believe the word of God? Am I gonna believe that it is true? Or, I'm, or am I going to accept what the culture wants to have me to believe? 
Now, throughout Daniel's life, he had to make a choice about what is truth. But here's another crisis that he faced, that you and I faced, and that is the identity crisis. And it answered the question, uh, who am I? And you're going to have to answer that question. Uh, who am I? Daniel, who are you? Notice in verse 7, the Babylonians, they gave Daniel a new name. And, and he said to Daniel, the name Belshazzar. And then he gave to Hananiah, Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, Azariah, Abednego. Hey, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, they were all uh, names that had something to do with the living God. And Babylon changed their name and all their new names, Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had something to do with a pagan God. In fact, Daniel's name, Daniel's name means judge of God. But when Babylon, when Nebuchadnezzar gave him a new name, Belshazzar, it means servant of Baal. Servant of Baal. But if you notice that in the book of Daniel, all throughout Daniel, we didn't see the word Belshazzar. We see the name Daniel, 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 over and over and over again. He knew who he was. And by the way, you and I, we have to decide, you know, am I willing to be a called, am I willing to be called a Christian in our culture? Am I willing to be called a follower of Christ? Romans chapter 1, verse 15, it says, we are not to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We're not to be ashamed of the good news that have changed us from the inside out, but sometimes we are like we are. We go to work and people don't know that you're a follower of Christ. Or you go out to the gym when you can go back to the gym, you know, and people don't know that you're a follower of Christ. In fact, you try to act like them. You try to talk like everybody else. You try to talk like the world. You've changed your identity. And Daniel faced an identity crisis. But there was a third crisis, and I believe what we all go through, that Daniel went through a moral crisis. Now, how will I live? How will I live? How will I behave? What will I do? What will I not do? King Nebuchadnezzar said, you guys come here. I'm going to be your new authority. Now, forget God. Forget the Bible. That's the authority crisis. And then he said, I'm going to give you new names. Daniel, you're not Daniel no more. Identity crisis, right? But in verse 5, we see a moral crisis. King Nebuchadnezzar, he said, Daniel, you have to eat my food. You have to drink my wine. I'm your boss. And how are you going to act? How are you going to behave? And Daniel had to decide, am I going to act the way the king in Babylon told me to do? Or am I going to act the way the king of kings and the lord of lords wants me to do? You say, well, Scott, you know, eating and drinking is such an insignificant minor issue. What's the, what the big deal? Well, according to Jewish laws, Daniel and all Hebrew children were taught to eat food, um, a certain kind of food. They weren't allowed to eat meat, uh, a certain kind of meat that were, especially if they were consecrated to a, uh, a, a false god. And, uh, and so they were, they were supposed to eat maybe fish, you know, kosher food. Uh, they could not eat. You know, some of the stuff that maybe you and I can enjoy. And by the way, let me just say, I'm, I'm glad 
that in the New Testament, we can enjoy a good hamburger. You know, we can enjoy a hot dog. But that was different for the Hebrews. And that was Levitical laws. And they were taught to follow those laws. They were very strict about it. And so here you got all these guys. They've been taken captivity into Babylon. And, and, and Daniel faced a moral crisis because everybody else started eating this new food that they have never been exposed to. It's barbecue meat and the pork and baby back ribs. And I'm sure Daniel was like, you know what? Why not? I mean, Jerusalem, 16, 1700 miles away, who's going to know? Who's going to know that I had some good meat here? Daniel faced a moral crisis. He faced a moral crisis. When you go to work, you're going to find other people that are different than you. And they're going to say, they're going to say they don't believe what you believe. You're going to have bosses and professors of your college that says the same thing. And how are you going to live? What are you going to believe when you're on a job, when you're required to do something unethical, do something dishonest? You're going to have to make a choice. This is an opportunity for you to, to, to have integrity. Integrity. The word integrity, the, the root word for integrity is the word integral. Integral, it's a, it's a math term. It, it means whole. A, a person that, is, that has integrity is complete. He's whole. Don't be halfway somewhere else and, and be you know, for God in one way, and be somebody else like the world in another place. Be a man, a woman of integrity. And this is why it's important to talk about this when we're stuck. When we're stuck. If we're not careful, we're at our weakest. We're at our weakest when we're under great amount of stress. When we're, when, when we're under great amount of stress, that's when the devil, see, the devil doesn't go after us. When we're strong, he goes after us when we're weak, when we have the stress of our lives on us. And it's so easy to slip away and to compromise what we believe, to, to justify bad decisions. Because the decisions you make today determine the story you're going to tell tomorrow. Here's the third thought, third observation that Daniel, you know, that we see in Daniel's life. And that's the greatest victory. To stay pure in the middle of moral decay. To stay pure. To stay pure. Daniel, stay pure. Look at verse number eight. We see this, and I mentioned it already, but Daniel resolved. The word resolved means uh, determined. Uh, to purpose, to be determined. He resolved, he purposed himself, he was determined not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He said, man, it looks good. Man, that looks great. Everybody else is telling me how delicious it is. Man, it's the best kind of meat. It's the best wine. But, but no matter how tempting it is, I am resolved. I am determined. I, am, I have purpose in my heart not to defile myself. I'm going to stay pure. 
And I'm going to challenge you during this season of being stuck. I'm going to challenge you to be like Daniel, to be determined, to resolve, to purpose. I dare you to be a Daniel, to stand up in the face of a godless culture and say, you know what, I'm not going to defile myself. I'm going to say no to sin. I'm not going to go along with what everybody else is doing. I'm willing to be different. Daniel learned all his life, you know, hey, don't eat the meat. And he said, I'm not going to defile myself. I won't. And you need to make that decision too. Life is defined by the decisions you make. Not always easy. It's not always easy. But it's the right thing to do. And when you make the right decision, no matter how difficult, no matter how hard, you're going to be different. You're going to be different. Daniel was different. You're going to be different. And God will always, always honor that kind of decision. Daniel asked to eat the vegetables, right? And, and, and he did that for 10 days. And, and at the end of 10 days, he and, and, and his three friends, they measured better than what everybody else was doing. What they had been eating, they were weaker, not as healthy, and, and they proved their point. They made a point. And God honored Daniel's decision. Daniel became an interpreter of dreams. He interpreted dreams. Later on in his life, when he was thrown into the pit of lions, you know, God shut the mouth of the lion. And this is what I believe. If, if Daniel had not shut his mouth to the food and wine of the king, I believe God would have not shut the mouth of the lion and the lion's den. In other words, if there wasn't the story of Daniel in the dining room, there wouldn't have been the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Because the decisions you make today determine the story that you will tell tomorrow. So we're stuck. We're stuck. Now what? What do you do when you don't know what to do? I know, this, I know that this message you know, may not answer all of our questions. But here's what I know, that there is a God in heaven, and he's in control. And so, my friend, trust him. Trust him. Even when, even when it doesn't make sense, even when your world is falling apart, trust him. Stay pure. Stay pure. And don't compromise what you believe. And I pray that during this next few weeks that we'll be challenged in the way Daniel lived his life. He developed character in the middle of chaos. And I believe that we can do the same thing. In the middle of our chaos, our character can be developed for the glory of God. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the life of Daniel. Thank you for his word is so timely to the world that we're living in. As we study the life of Daniel in the days, in the weeks to come, I pray that our hearts will be challenged. But today, God, I pray that we would understand and know that there is a God in heaven, that you are with us. Even though you might be silent, you're not absent. You're here. And you're working all things 
for good. You're working, you're orchestrating things behind our lives. And we don't see it, we may not understand it, but we know that you are in control. And so God, help us to trust you. God, help us not to compromise. God, help us to stay pure in this time of being stuck, that we can grow through this and throw character in the middle of our chaos. We thank you for your word. In your name I pray, amen.